from Stuart just to set the theme for this morning. Let's watch this together. Hello everyone. God has a purpose for our life. We were not created to aimlessly drift through life. Finding purpose and meaning is all wrapped up with being led by the Spirit. When we follow Jesus, we find that we are never alone. The Holy Spirit becomes our guide if we let him. He leads us through every season of life and consistently leads us into our purpose. In fact, our verse today tells us that this guidance is a proof that we are children of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. Let's have a great day together. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Great. So let's turn to Romans 8. We're going to read the context together. Um, I felt as I was preparing it, there was just a broader message, really, than just that one verse. So let's read Romans 8. Uh, we're going to start in verse 9 through to verse 14. This is what Paul writes, Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let's pray together as we look at these verses. God, I pray for lives to be set free in this place today. God, we come before you this morning. We're so thankful for how you speak and how you minister to hearts. And you've done that so wonderfully already. And Holy Spirit, continue to do that, please, now. But I pray, come and speak to us that we'd be a people of freedom and life and joy and integrity and authenticity. And so, God, I pray you'd come. Come and speak to us, God, please. Through your words, we consider these things together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's two truths that govern me and how I want to lead and, and how I want church to be. The first is, I want to be part of a church that is authentic and real, where, where people come and aren't fake where people come and don't wear masks, where people come and don't pretend to be people they're not, where actually there's a, a passion to be transparent with Jesus and with one another. And the second thing alongside that, really in order to be like that, is this, that there's a church that swims in grace. 
Because when you understand the grace of God, you're free to be yourself with God. When you understand his unconditional love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his insight into you, he knows you better than you know yourself. When you get that, you're able to be yourself in a security because really, you know, God knows everything anyway, so why are you pretending that he, he doesn't? And, and no more is this seen, I think, than in Romans 8 in these verses. You, you see, the writer to the Hebrews tells us to run this race of life and to throw off anything that's weighing us down. The stuff that clings closely to us. And he says anything that weighs you down and the sin that clings so closely. And there's stuff that weighs us down that isn't sin. And we can think about that another time. But the reality is this. If you want to run with Jesus and make the most of your life with Jesus and be used powerfully by Jesus and enjoy intimacy with Jesus and be who you were created to be in Jesus, it means you need to kill sin in your life by Jesus and through Jesus. It means you stop playing games with him. And it means, God, you're everything. Not just a reference book. Because this is Christianity. It isn't a prayer spoken once in a while. It's a heart surrendered every morning to the King. And when you understand grace, grace sets us free to run with Jesus. It isn't just a forgiveness, now I'll do whatever I want. It's as I'm forgiven and there's a glorious God to live for and to run with. And because of that, I surrender everything. And so I'm asking us this morning, well, I'm not asking, I'm saying this morning. Take off the mask and be vulnerable with Jesus. He sees you completely anyway. You can't fake it with him. And just come before him in your brokenness and in your raw honesty. And say, Jesus, I need your grace in these areas of my life. Because not one person in this room is perfect. Not one person in this room has it all together. We're imperfect this side of glory. And at times there are things in our life we just need to be honest with Jesus about and say, God, take this and please pour your grace into me. It's what Paul was talking about in Romans 7 when he says, all that stuff I want to do, I just can't seem to do it. (laughs) And all that stuff I know I shouldn't do, at times I can't help but do it. And then he says, but thanks be to God. Through Christ Jesus, my Lord and my Saviour. And that's the reality of walking with Jesus. It's the brokenness and yet the grace. And so this morning, I want to just get rid of any religious spirits in this place. I want to get rid of legalism. I hate that with a passion. And I just say, come. In all your brokenness, all your inconsistency, all your sin, and do stuff with Jesus. And receive grace this morning. Amen? And so I'm just believing, because God's done this in my life. He is in, in my life this week. As I've been preparing this, there's been particular sins that he's dealt with in my life and in my heart. And because he's done that in me, I'm expecting him to do that in this place. Is that okay? That was a long introduction. What I'm going to try and do is, is preach within 25 minutes, <laughs> which will be a work of God. Um, And I want to minister to people this morning. Because there are people in this room who have been held for too long by an attitude or a character trait or a habitual sin 
And I just feel God wants to meet us this morning and set us free to run with him. And Paul says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so we're going to think about living this life of purpose. And we're going to think about where, when, who, and how. Just four quick questions about being led by the Holy Spirit. And the first question is, where does he lead? And the Spirit leads us into God's purpose for our lives. You see, God's purpose for your life isn't for you to do your own thing. His purpose for your life is infinitely greater than that. His purpose for your life is to walk into his purpose for your life. And part of that is knowing the freedom and the life of grace. This is the whole invitation of the New Testament, that through Jesus we enjoy this new life in the Spirit. And we see this clearly in these verses. Please keep the passage open in front of you. In verse 10 he writes, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness. In verse 11, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, to his Spirit who dwells in you. Then in verse 13, he states, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's about life, folks. It's about freedom. It's about joy. It's about peace. But it's about running into all that God has for us. It's about being the people we were created to be. And in these verses, Paul says this new life leads us to have power to be set free from particular sins in our lives. Throughout Romans, he just says, die to sin, live to Christ. So, for example, in Romans 6, verse 1, the first opening chapters of Romans, he's just pouring out the incredible truth of the gospel, that it's by faith alone, by what Jesus has done that we're saved. And then he says, when you've received this grace, he says in verse 1 in chapter 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized in Christ Jesus? We were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Are you walking in newness of life this morning? But later in Romans 6 and verse 11, Paul says this, You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus. I love that. And in verse 14, Paul says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that word for, in that beginning of that verse, points back to what he said in verse 13. And in verse 13, he says, If you live by the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, by the Spirit, Being led by the Spirit is the same thing in this context as putting to death sin by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. You see, my understanding of these verses is this this isn't primarily about day-to-day guidance. We see that's what the Holy Spirit does and we'll see that elsewhere. But what this is about is total life transformation. That the Holy Spirit comes and transforms us from the inside out. He sets us free from the power of sin and enables us to run with Jesus in a way that would be impossible without him. That that we're no longer slaves to this, this sin that holds so closely. But in Jesus' name, we can be free from it to run with him. He comes and empowers us and makes us more like Jesus. 
This is why Lucy referred a bit earlier to 2 Corinthians 3, where we read, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're living in freedom this morning. Eugene Peterson paraphrases this passage wonderfully in the message. He says this, If God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than him. It's a good one to start with. Anyone, of course, has not welcomed this. In, anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but for you who welcome Him, in whom He dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the, light, if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we owe this old do-it-yourself life, not one red cent. (laughs) There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and to get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I love that. The Holy Spirit comes to set us free, to run into all that God has for us. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life, And have it to the full. So Paul is saying in these verses, you've been set free to run with God. Now in the spirit, put to death anything that's dishonoring him. Anything that's displeasing him. So that you can experience the joy of his life. Don't play games with sin. Put it to death. Don't mess about. Kill the sin in your life before it kills you. And this is not about ruining your life. But it's giving you his life which is infinitely more satisfying and glorious. It's my little paraphrase of those verses. And so I'm saying those of us who are walking with Jesus, he, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into freedom. That's where he wants to take us. When does he lead us? Well, it's an ongoing daily reality. I love this. This, this word led in the Greek is ago. And it literally means to, to lead by laying hold of something, directing and moving an object from one position to another. And the reason this is important is because in the Greek it's in the present tense, which means it's something that continually is happening. You see, he wants to lead you by the hand every single moment of every single day. He wants to take you on a journey in him that gives you life and freedom. This isn't something that just happens on a Sunday morning. This is something God wants to do in your life every single day. That as you are led by the Holy Spirit every day, you begin to experience more and more of this glorious freedom. And so he leads us consistently rather than sporadically. But the reality is this, is that we can get in his way. We can just get in his way, can't we? We can get in his way by resisting him through not applying his word. You see, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything that contradicts the Bible. He'll never do that. He will never tell you, for example, to have an affair. He will never tell you, sleep with that person before you're married. He'll never tell you that. It goes against what the Bible teaches. 
And he's not a contradiction. He's God. He's truth. He's life. And so it's just one of the ways that we can get in the way when the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into this freedom. But who does he lead? And Paul says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I love that. Every single Christian is being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us. We saw a couple of weeks ago in verse 1, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is all because of grace. You see, we're not saved by killing sin. We kill sin because we're saved. We've got to understand, we've got to receive the grace of God and then run into that grace. And you might think, well, what does this mean then, Jones? When in verse 13, when it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I thought you said a couple of weeks ago, you can't lose your salvation and you're held. Well, what does that mean then? Well, this is how I understand it. I understand that verse isn't talking about the means of holding on to salvation or being saved. He's there making a point of, if you are saved, this is the inevitable outworking of the grace in your life. It's just the fruit of grace rather than the means of grace. Paul is saying in these verses that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will inevitably never be the same person again. And it's a journey. It's not an instant thing. And it's not about perfection. It's not about never messing up. But it's about a transformation by the Holy Spirit in your heart. And Paul is saying, if you've got nothing in you, that has a heart for Jesus, then the reality is, the likelihood is, you've not given your life to Jesus. It's far more than saying a prayer on a screen. It's a life surrendered to him. doesn't mean we don't struggle at times. doesn't mean we mess up at times. doesn't mean we have seasons where we're struggling with doubts. But Paul is clear, I think, the fruit of grace is a life being transformed into more and more the likeness of Jesus. Does that make any sense? You guys still with me? So grace is far more than a forgiveness certificate. It is life transformation. It's about a heart becoming more and more set on fire for Jesus. It, d- it gets a bit more positive in a moment. If you're thinking, my goodness, this is important. This is what grace does in our lives. It sets us free to run with him. And this freedom is for every single Christian. In verse 9, he says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. I just find that so reassuring that whether you feel him or not, the moment you give your life to Jesus, he fills you with his Holy Spirit. He's in you, my dear friend. You're not left on your own to, to, to walk with him and to live like this is impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a natural life. This isn't about self-improvement or self-help or giving up bad habits. As we're going to see, it's a total transformation from the inside out that only the Holy Spirit can do. And then in verse 11, I love this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Wow. It kind of gets rid of any excuse of, well, that's just the way I am. I can never change. When you believe the resurrection power of Jesus is in you as a child of God. It means no one is a hopeless case. It means this power to live and to throw off sin in our life is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. And this is what it means by being led by the Spirit. It says God 
I want you to make me more like Jesus. And I want you to do that in the areas of my life where I'm holding on and not letting you in. And I want to just finish, and I'm getting through this quickly, thank you, Jesus, with how can we be led by the Spirit? We saw where, we saw who. Let's think about how. And in verse 13 is one of the many paradoxes in the Bible. You see, Paul says, you put to death the deeds of the body, but on the other hand, you do it by the Spirit. (laughs) It's like a paradox, isn't there, there? So there's something that we need to do, but it's something only the Spirit can do. Now, the Holy Spirit's not a tool. He's not a weapon. He's a person. He's God. So Paul is saying there, you need to step into this life, but you can only step into this life through the power of God at work in you. It's the paradox. He's saying, you do it, but you do it in such a way that it is he who does it. It's the difference between the Christian life and a kind of moral self-help program. It's not about giving up bad habits. It's about being transformed by God from the inside out. And this is something only God himself can do in us. And Paul is saying here, you do it, but you do it in such a way that it is he who does it in you. So what he says in Romans 15, verse 18, he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. And so friends, this sets us free to realize this life that we're looking at is available to every single person who's following Jesus. Because it's not dependent on education. It's not dependent on social status. It's not dependent on Bible knowledge. Although we'll see in a moment it's important to, to know Bible and to speak it out. It's primarily about a heart surrendered to Jesus Christ and saying, Holy Spirit, come and enable me to live with and for you. And if you're in that moment this morning, this life is for you. And the Holy Spirit leads us in a number of ways. You guys still with me? A number of ways. The first thing is this. He leads us in compassion and love. I love this. He doesn't lead us in shame or humiliation. He leads us in compassion and love. He comes alongside us. He's our wonderful counselor and guide. He leads us like a shepherd, as our protector and provider. He comes to take over, absolutely, but not in a violent revolution, but in a grace-drenched reformation. This is what the Holy Spirit loves to do. He leads us in compassion and love. And then he comes, and this is the important thing. He comes to deal with the root problem and not just the fruit. You see, what I'm talking about here, what Paul's talking about here, isn't about life alteration, but life transformation. And the only way this can happen is if we cut off the lifeline, as it were, or the blood flow to sin in our lives. And Jesus in Matthew 15 shows us where this lifeline comes from. He, thinks this, he says, the things that proceed out of the mouth comes from the heart and those that defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and slanders. You see, the root cause of sin in my life and in your life isn't the issue itself. The root cause is the condition of our hearts. And the Holy Spirit comes. And he doesn't come just to improve our lives. He comes to transform our lives. 
And he deals with the root cause. And he's the greatest heart surgeon we could ever have. And suddenly those of us who are hard-hearted, who struggle to forgive, struggle to let go, full of bitterness and anger, suddenly our hearts become more like Jesus. When we know love and we know peace, we know self-control, we know gentleness, we know the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. This is what the Holy Spirit loves to do in our lives. And he comes to transform us. And he deals with the root cause, which is the condition of our heart. And thirdly, he leads us by giving us a fresh revelation of the beauty of Jesus. This is so important. John 14, verse 26, Jesus said this, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. When I was a teenager getting drunk all the time, knowing it was wrong, and, and every Friday night I'd get hammered with my mates. I didn't have any mates who were Christians. Didn't know anyone who was a Christian. Didn't have a church to be part of. But I knew God didn't want me to do that. Every Sunday morning when we went to a church, um, I, I would sit there feeling really guilty and saying, and I genuinely was sorry to God and repented to God that I tried to deal with that issue firstly in my own strength and then out of guilt and the reality is this the way you set are set free from particular sins is to take your eyes off that particular sin and to focus it upon the beauty and the majesty of Jesus and as you see the beauty and the majesty of Jesus and the worth of Jesus Suddenly, he becomes more satisfying to you than the satisfaction of the sin that you're struggling with. And the Holy Spirit comes and he brings a revelation of the beauty and the worth and the majesty and the glory and the joy. And you're like, Lord, I love you. And Jesus, you are so much more satisfying to me than this pornography or this drinking or this anger or this bitterness or whatever it is. You're you. And suddenly the lure of sin, it's not a kind of, right, I'm dutiful, I'm going to say no. It's, oh God, yes. The way you kill sin isn't just by saying no, but it's by starting up by saying yes to him. You see, I've got mates who have transformed their lives who don't have a clue about Jesus. And they've just done that, they've given up smoking, they've come off drugs or whatever it is. And they've just done it through gritted teeth and, and self-discipline. And that's good. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. It's about coming before him and saying, Jesus, I need you. Change me. And when we do that, God takes us on a journey with him. Sometimes it's instant, other times it's a journey. And there's five things we're going to finish with, just applications, and then we're going to pray. And I want to pray for people in this room who are going to be courageous enough to say, yeah, I want to kill that sin in my life and run in freedom. Five quick things to finish with. The first is this, and I wish, I guess I'm picturing my 18-year-old self down here who struggled enormously to run with Jesus. And I'm not perfect now. I've got issues that God's dealing with. And if you think offended by that, you're not perfect either, so get over it. But we're on a journey with him. But I want to say to myself here, believe God's best is best for you. Believe it. Don't don't try and deal with it in any other way until you're convinced that God is good 
that God is kind, that God is trustworthy, that God knows best. Until you know that and trust that and believe that, you're going to continually struggle with things. And that's a condition of the heart. It's saying, God, create in me a new heart. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So believe God's best is best for you. Second thing is fully rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't rely on yourself. You need to come before him and say, God, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. Even if I deal with this fruit issue, (laughs) there's still a root cause issue that I can't deal with and I need your help with. I might be able to deal with the symptoms, but I want you to deal with the root cause that's causing me to do that. And I need your help, Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we need to be ruthless with sin in our lives. You see, when you believe God's best is best for you, it really stops you playing games with Jesus. It says, Jesus, you have everything because I want everything that you have for me. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, and he says it figuratively. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and to be thrown into the hell of fire. You see, we're to be radical and ruthless with sin in our life. And when you understand who God is and his love and his his anger towards sin and his, his hatred of it, and we're thinking, God, you are holy, you are magnificent, you are majestic. I don't want to play games with you. I'm not going to get you into my life as another reference book. I bow the knee and you are everything to me. Take it all. Everything, my marriage, my friendships, my finances, my hopes, my workplace, my career, my insecurities, everything, I give it to you. And we need to be ruthless with sin. And being ruthless means this, you are brutally honest with God and just say, God, I need this air in my life to be dealt with. And you repent of it. And repentance means not just saying sorry, but it's turning in a complete opposite direction, saying, God, I'm now walking by the work of the Holy Spirit in me, and I'm going to walk this way with you. And this is the freedom. We need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And this is where this book, this love letter, comes into play. Paul writes to the Ephesians, this is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when you're struggling with particular sins, you you need to to grab hold of this word and speak over yourself the truth of this word for you, that he that is in you is greater than he is in the world. That, That no temptation that you're facing is beyond God's grace for you to be pulled out of. That's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. When 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 you read in this book that Jesus has come to give us life and life to its fullness, do you believe that? If you do, you're trusting him or you're trying to find life elsewhere. And you grab hold of this book and you say, God, I cannot do this, but I ask by your spirit, help me. And I want to deal with this sin and I want to speak this truth over my life. And then we trust him and step out in faith. And we don't do that until we've done the other stuff. Because then it's religion, rules, regulations. But it's out that place of no condemnation, hallelujah, ever. 
And you're in this relationship with the king. And when you know him and you fix your eyes upon him, that's why the writer of the Hebrews says, fix your eyes upon Jesus. It's the only way to run this race. He never moves. If he feels far from you this morning, it's not he that's moved. I'm not saying you don't feel far from him because there's sin in your life all the time, but sometimes it is. The intimacy with the Holy Spirit is, is not there. Sometimes it is because we're not dealing with sin in our life. And we need to run into this freedom. And so I go back to where I started from. Brutal honesty. I hate religion. I hate legalism. I hate it. And I'll tell you why I hate it. It's because I know how much I don't need that in my personal life. And I love grace. And there's people in this room and you've been holding on to stuff for far too long. And you need to know grace is here for you. He loves you so much. Do you not see how much God loves you that he's brought you here this morning to hear this irritating Swede at the front (laughs) talk about this stuff? I'm joking. But he does love you. And Christianity is a life transformed. Not a prayer once prayed. And there's hope for you. And I speak to my 18-year-old self. There's hope for you. And God's best is for you. And this morning I just want to pray for anyone in this place who's going to be brave enough to say, God, I want to kill that area of my life in you and I want to run with you into a new season. And so let's just bow our heads and pray. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and point us to Jesus. Come and point us to Jesus. Come and point us to Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray you would be bringing to attention all over this room areas of our lives that we need to surrender afresh to you. God, we don't claim to be without sin. We're not deceiving ourselves in this place. It's not the culture of this house. We're broken, messed up people. Gloriously being put together by Jesus. We're saints who still struggle with sin. So just lay it before him. Lay it before him. And in the security and the safety of this place, I want to ask, is there anyone in this room who needs to recommit their life to Jesus? You've just been in a season where you've been holding on to stuff that you know has slowed you down, that it's clung closely, and you just want to say this morning, God, I want to give this to you, and I need your help to throw this off in my life. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you this morning. It was me this week. 
Absolutely.